Hello, true believers. Welcome to the Spider-Man Book Club. This podcast is all about digging into the library of everyone's favorite wall-crawling menace and his spectacular corner of the Marvel Universe. I'm your host, J.J. Hodges, and today I'm joined by your friendly neighborhood by Lauren, and we're going to discuss a couple issues of Amazing Spider-Man with one of uh, her favorite characters, Nightcrawler. Lauren, thank you so much for joining Yay! me. Yeah, no, happy to be here. You know, it is very fun hearing Friendly Neighborhood by right after talking about your Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. So I, I appreciate that. I might need that sound bite. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I'll have I'll have my best friend Jesse do the audio. I don't I don't do the I don't do I do a little bit of the editing, but that's about it. The intro he made up, uh, the the actual intro that goes before the podcast. Um, yeah, anyway. yeah, it, it's a lot of work doing a dog because I. For the Netcrawler podcast I do with Lisa, um, she does like all the social media and all this stuff. Like she's phenomenal that stuff, and then I do the the editing and everything, and it takes time. So I don't blame you. It, it it does, especially when you want to edit something that's in the middle of the damn thing and you can't remember and you want to know like what minute yep. it was at. <laughs> you got to listen all over again, and yeah. and that's why sometimes when I record stuff, I try to like make a note of where it is, but half the time I forget because I'm having such a good time recording it so then i'm just like well dang i i guess we're just gonna figure this out <laughs> yeah it's a double-edged sword for sure <laughs> um so i'm very excited about our topic today i did get a chance to read these books um which i which i did enjoy um it felt uh i mean we'll get into all that you know uh, so we'll save that we'll start with you now when mm. were you bitten by the radioactive bug or a spider, I should say. Um, I mean, I was pretty young. I don't really... I didn't read a lot of Spider-Man comics as a kid, to be honest. I was... I read a lot of X-Men. Um, but that didn't mean I didn't love Spider-Man. I remember when I was, like, probably six or seven, I had the, like, old-school, like, web shooters that had the, like, little flick with the silly string in it. And yes. I would run around shooting everybody with those things. And every parent regrets it after five seconds of their sure. child having those things. But... <laughs> Um, but I love that. And I think in general, just Spider-Man, Spider-Man's always been a symbol. You know, once you know who he is, he, you know what he represents and everybody takes that and interprets it differently, yeah. but he represents the, the average Joe, the, the underdog. He, he's somebody who you're always going to want to root for, or at least the Pierre Parker version, obviously, which is what we're talking about. So, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I guess pretty young I was bit by the bug, um, but I, I couldn't tell you the last time I read a Spider-Man comic other than the ones we did today. <laughs> uh, that You know, but that's, uh, I, I like hearing stuff like that because it doesn't, it, you know, at least from where I'm sitting, it doesn't make you any less of a fan than somebody who has, like, stacks of books behind them or anything. I mean, I don't, obviously, this is my kitchen. But, um, <laughs> but um you know, because to me, you know, because I, I reached out to another friend and said, hey, do you want to come on the show and talk about the movie? And he's like, well, I'm not really like an expert. I'm like, you like the movie. You're a fan. It's that's enough for me. Yeah. Um, you, don't, you know, I, I don't expect you to go, well, in issue number six, uh, written by Stan Lee, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, I have people yeah. who can do that and others that can't. And it's totally fine either way. <laughs> Yeah, no. And I love that you have that ad because because we're I'm similar in general. Like I, I I feel like it's actually hard, especially when you're a really big fan of something to not gatekeep because we always talk about like gatekeeping's the worst. And yep. but I think a lot of us big fans, once you're super passionate about something, I know there's been times in the past where somebody hasn't known something 
about the X-Men or something. And I've been like, how can you not know this? Like, this is essential. <laughs> but like, even that is a four-way gatekeeping and that's not always great, right? Depending on who you're talking to um, and how you say it. So I really like that you said that because I remember when you asked me if I wanted to come on, I was like, like, of course, like, I love you. I love coming on podcasts and talking anything nerdy, but I do I qualify? Because like, yeah. that's not my realm. And you were just like, no, nah, get over here. So that's really <laughs> cool because we try to do that in the Nightcrawler pod too, where we've had people be like, well, I just like him. I'm like, okay, great. Like, <laughs> Who cares? Like, if you like something, you should be able to talk about it as you wish. That, you know, I, I think we're, we're probably on the opposite ends of things where I, I do like Nightcrawler and I'm a fan, but I'm not, I, uh, this book and maybe like three or four others I've read with him in it, you know, in, yeah. in, in my entire lifetime. Um, uh, so, uh, and a couple quick questions I want to get through that I ask every huh? guest, um, Okay, so um, you think I'd have these memorized by now, but you know. <laughs> um, okay, you. Okay, do you have a uh, a favorite Spider-Man character? It can be hero, villain, whatever. Any anyone that jumps to mind is like, oh, that's that's the best one. Hmm. I'm trying to think of somebody that isn't Peter, because <laughs> that's so generic. Because I, yeah, I really haven't read a ton of other. I will say I do, I do enjoy Venom a lot. Um, one of my favorite, it, it's not technically a Spider-Man story because Peter's not involved in this story really, but I guess it is. It's a Venom and Carnage story. There's a, there's a little trade paperback called Venom Carnage and yeah. it's the first appearance of Toxin. And I read the shit out of that. I still have it. I've had it for years and I read it nonstop because I just thought it was the coolest stuff sorry i curse sorry whoever's got to edit that um <laughs> it's just the coolest stuff ever like you know i i really like the symbiotes um and i and i like how they've started to do venom over the last couple years in terms of you know he he's more of an anti-hero mm -hmm. but not a complete hero either i don't really care for what they've done with the new run where he's like actually a good guy i think that's a little far but regardless, um, yeah, Venom Carnage, um, they're pretty cool. I enjoy them a lot. Um, those are, you know, and they're, and they're great characters. And, and they're, they're cool characters in the sense that they're very recent characters. You know, the only, you know, Venom just in like the late 80s, early 90s. Mm -hmm. And same with Carnage, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I remember seeing an interview with Stan Lee during, it was one of the DVDs that, you know, when we were first releasing DVDs and they put like, you know, I don't know, three or four episodes of a TV show on it, and it was uh, the Spider-Man cartoon, and in um, the, the '90s one, and he talked about like Venom and Carnage. He's like, "Yo, I didn't create them, but I think it's interesting that the more destructive these characters are, so, for some reason, the more pop, the more uh, popular they become." And I was like, "That was a weird yeah. trend in the '90s. I feel like if they were causing, no pun intended, carnage, then they were, <laughs> then they, for some yeah. reason, they were they were big hits." <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and that's one of the reasons why I know I talked about them a lot, but I also really like Carnage because while Venom and Eddie or whoever Venom's possessing kind of start getting a little bit of a conscience, even when they weren't fully good, they had that conscience. Carnage has never had that. Carnage is literally, and, and that's a nice thing is that I don't see them anytime soon giving Carnage a conscience and they shouldn't because he's just the worst like he's an utter sociopath on the highest level like whatever that looks like for a symbiote that's him yeah. so he he's a lot of fun and i did i think i read the first issue of the new run 
uh, that Ram V is writing, which I love him as a writer. Yeah. Um, and, and I really enjoyed it. Cause I was like, this is like some Dexter kind of stuff. Like, all right, I didn't watch Dexter, but I know this is that vibe and I'm here for it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, that, that's a good way to put it. And I totally agree there. Um, and I, and I love Ron V too. I think he's great. Um, I like loved his uh, Justice League Dark stuff when he took over for. Oh my gosh, I'm so mad. He's not writing Justice League Dark. Like I know he's doing bigger and better things, yeah. but like I need you to come back, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Give him his book back because first they took the full book away from him and made it like a ten page story in the back of Justice League, yeah. and then he's just stepping away completely. Which again, I don't fault him for, but also please come back because <laughs> yeah. that was my favorite team book. Yeah. Um, the only thing I enjoyed better recently was the limited series that Darsky did, uh, Justice League: The Last Ride. That one was very good. That one I haven't checked out yet. Um, and I'll... Really good, yeah. very, very worth it. I I was shocked that I enjoyed it as much as I did. I do like I do like Zdarsky. His Daredevil stuff has been fantastic. Um, yeah. So I'm interested in getting into all that. Um, but you know, like, who's got the time? You know, but uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I I say that and I have time. You know, but. Uh, I mean, I, but you have to read Spider-Man. You have a whole podcast about Spider-Man. Spider-Man takes priority. I, I understand. <laughs> it's true. I read a ton of Spider-Man. And, and when I started the podcast, I said, hey, anyone want to come on? And all the stuff I read, um, only like one arc got picked and everybody else picked stuff Dang. that I never read. And I was like, going to do some more reading, I guess. <laughs> but that's all. <laughs> Including these, by the way. Um, all right. One, one more quick question before, uh, before we jump into the books here. Um, yeah. Do you have across Spider-Man lore, video games, movies, comics, TV show? Do you have a favorite costume? Ooh. Uh, first one that comes to mind is the twenty ninety nine, uh, Miguel's. Yep. I think that one. I mean, indisputably, that's one of the top three best. I mean, even if it's not your favorite, um, it's really freaking solid. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to beat that. Um. I will say one of the costumes I don't care for much that everyone else likes is the suit he got in Civil War from Tony. Um, okay. Half of it is because uh, Tony can kick bricks. I'm sorry, guys, but Tony Stark is a terrible person. He tried to kill Peter in Civil War. So if you guys don't know that and you only know MCU, you should go read that because it might break your heart a bit. Um, but also because it was too techy, if that makes sense. Um yeah. Because Peter's always been, and that was a Peter suit. Peter is a, you know, he's good with technology. He's a scientist and all this stuff. But he never went that techy until that point. And yeah. it, it just didn't feel natural to him. So I was happy that suit didn't last forever. Um, because while it was kind of cool that he had to like little spider spikes jump out of his back and run around. It was also like, now he just looks like a villain. Like, I know he's not, but also like, so. That's, that's um, fair. Yeah, the twenty ninety nine is pretty good, and I mean, I don't know, like the fun, the <laughs> the original with the bag over his head, you can't forget. So that's always fun to remember. The the paper bag. Yeah, yeah yep. you, you can't go wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's perfect, and the, the fact that it hasn't made it, there's been eight Spider Man movies and we haven't seen it yet. Give me a break. I mean, what are they doing? Like, I <laughs> listen. I think they should bring Andrew Garfield back for one more film. Let him wrap up his stuff. And he can do it. That one's perfect for his Spider-Man. Yeah, that would, would totally fit because, you know, he's got... What else is he What else is he doing other than, you know, being sad about killing <laughs> so, <laughs> He's doing his best. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, um, I, I I do kind of have to agree with you a little bit. Is part of the reason that I, I didn't care too much for the 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 suit the suit he wore in Infinity War because I don't like the the you know the nanotech mm-hmm. in every freaking superhero. Like it's just it was such a relief watching the Batman and he just takes off a mask. Yeah, finally. <laughs> you know, and I'm just thinking. So it's funny because they did that with him in Infinity War, and then I know this is a completely separate world, but I I'm a fan of Supergirl, and on the Supergirl show in the last season, they gave her pants, which is great, but they made her suit nanotech. It was all nanotech, so we lost the whole, you know, ripping open the shirt super suit thing, and it was kind of like, I mean, it's cool, but like what's like so it's weird because i wonder if that was around similar time like where everybody started thinking let's do superhero suits with nanotech i think it i think it was and i don't like it. <laughs> i don't like that trend much, not but, approved don't do that again <laughs> it's but it's okay it's fine um all right so the uh story we are talking about today we are talking uh amazing spider-man number 161 and 162 um released uh first issue released july 1976 uh written by len ween penciled by ross andrew uh inked by mike esposito colored by glennis ween uh lettered by irving watanabe uh the only difference was that in the um second issue there was a different uh letterer john costanza not sure why they had a different letter in there but you know Hmm. But Interesting, that, but that issue um, <clears throat> came out August nineteen seventy six. Um, so before before my time, I assume before your time, um, but well before my time, yes. <laughs> but do you mind me asking how old you were? I am twenty six. Twenty six. Okay. I'm... So I am I am a baby in terms of uh, comic book years, I guess. <laughs> but oh, well, that's no, but that's cool. I'm I'm about to be thirty five, like we were talking about before, and uh, mm-hmm. I am, uh, and and I love when because I you know uh, our you know mutual buddy Nico, you know he wants to mm-hmm. talk. We're going to talk about the first appearance of Venom, which was way before his time as well. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I love, you know, when somebody thinks outside the box a little bit, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, here's something, even though it's before my time, it's one of my favorites and I want to talk to you about it. Um, so, you know, uh, go ahead and uh, dive into it. What what made you say, oh, these are the ones I want to talk about? Well, one, Nightcrawler's in them. So that, <laughs> that's, that's easy, especially... It's interesting to see uh, Nightcrawler as a character. He's one of those characters that he's known about i guess Mm -hmm. so like a lot of people have at least heard of him or seen him and they're like oh yeah there's that guy that's blue and fuzzy um and teleports and then um but he he hasn't had too much of his own stuff all the time um like he's had a couple limited series but other than that he kind of in the past has just gone thrown around in different things and so funny enough so this issue was published in 1976 and i had and that was important to me when i read these issues because he is drawn incredibly different than he is now. Like now he's got a much softer face, not as sharp uh, uh, edges around his jaw and face and everything about him. Mm-hmm. He's drawn more demonic, um, which makes sense. This was released about a year after Giant Size X-Men, which was his first appearance. And yep. he was, again, more demonic and stuff than whereas now 
he's a lot more cutie and friendly and haha yay so i was interested to see how him and peter interacted back then because he was drawn not only drawn differently but characterized differently like at one point in the issue he's arguing with wolverine before he like runs away and ends up finding peter and he says i want apology wolverine or you know i want your ears uh you know pulled back pulled off something like that and it's like he would never say that now like i don't know if anybody knows kurt now but he would never just directly threaten that harshly um and so I was like, what's he going to do when he sees Peter? And like, what's Peter like? Because again, I don't know Peter as well in the comics in the past. I know him from like the early 2000s era. So I was like, what was Peter like back then? Like, would he tolerate stuff like that? Or would he just deck him? So I was really interested to see that because I know more of the characters today, what they're going to be like back then. Yeah, I uh, I, I kind of agree. And I like that the, the character, uh, you know, in both cases, well, all three, we count the Punisher too, which I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll get into here. Um, you know, it's 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 so different the way they were written, the way Lynn Ween, Lynn Ween wrote them, you know, in '76 versus how, you know, somebody like Greg Rucka or Bendis would write them in, you know, 2006. Um, yeah. And and you know, and that's and that's all well and good. Um, so we'll, we'll you know, sticking with Nightcrawler for a second, let me ask you: Do you prefer the more demonic look, or do you like him looking more cuddly? I th- I think it would be nice if there was more of a balance. Okay. Um, I think series like in the, was it the 70s or the 80s? Uh, Nightcrawler's first limited series uh, done by Dave Cockrum, who actually is the one who created Nightcrawler. Um, and fun fact, Nightcrawler was originally pitched as part of the Outsiders for DC. And DC said no, uh-huh. because at the time he was... Like, there's a character uh, design Cockrum did where he literally wrote that Kurt would, who's Nightcrawler, would laugh at the thought of eating babies. It was very weird. Um, <laughs> very, yeah, very dark. So I don't really like him that dark. Um, and But I do like the DeMont qualities, um, like his tail. He can sword fight with his tail. He's not afraid to teleport. He's still got the big hands. Um, but overall, I mean, I think I think his look now is okay. I think it's more I have issues with how they portray his personality and such and what that's yeah. evolved into nowadays. Um, but I liked the demonic look, and that was really fun to see alongside uh, Peter in this issue. And like you said, the Punisher. The Punisher in particular, that was very entertaining to see his reaction. I, I, I will say that uh, this, this is the first older Punisher comic that you know, not Punisher comic, but you know what I mean, that I've read in a long time versus like his first appearance, which was in Amazing Spider-Man. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, and I just, I was so excited reading it going, he's going to be wearing the spandex suit. I, I feel like I never see him in the spandex suit anymore. You know, like, yeah, it, it, it makes sense for like the movies and, and some of the comics, but sometimes I'm just like, you know, like we're living in a world where a guy with a big purple helmet is going to eat the planet. Like, just let him wear some spandex. Who cares? You know, like, um, I mean, Batman yeah. seems to protect him well enough from bullets. So, <laughs> no, that's true. And and yeah, I, I think overall it was kind of nice revisiting stuff like this. And it was very fun hearing uh, Peter call thing call Kurt Nightcrawler things like pointy ears and and kind of point out his qualities and then later in the issue 
like Punishers, like trying to be snarky and and have some weird name for Kerr. And Spider Man then corrects him and is like, his name is Nightcrawler. And I'm like, why are you all of a sudden protecting <laughs> this guy like he's your best friend? What's happening? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Where I when I think of Spider Man, I think of Spider Man being a uh, like his corner of the Marvel universe is kind of its own thing, you know, mm-hmm. which is why I think. Sony has it in their heads that they can make any Spider-Man movie that they want. You know, it's like, well, yeah, yes and no, because there's rich characters, but they're not all, you know, they can't all hold a movie like Morbius. Um, but, <laughs> um, no, no offense to Jared Leto. Uh, Listen, I mean, in I, 2002, that movie would have worked, but unfortunately it is not 2002 anymore. <laughs> you, you are, you also, you are hundred percent right. And I also kind of wish that they had just done a live action version of the Morbius and Blade story from the uh-huh. animated Spider-Man. It's like, uh-huh. th- there it is. It's already perfect. Just, just do that. Yeah, but Blade is with Marvel, so like yeah. they're screwed. That that's the whole problem with the movies is that you know you've got all the copyright and fighting over Superman, uh, not Superman, Spider Man, and everything, and it's just like Sony's never going to be able to do it complete justice because Marvel's always going to keep something from them. Yeah, that's that's true, and it's and it's a shame because I you know I I hope you know it's like we didn't really get to see like you know Iron Man team up with like the Fantastic Four, the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, but hopefully we can get Spider-Man teaming up with the Fantastic Four soon, and not only that, but yeah. Spider-Man teaming up with the X-Men, who I argue, just like Spider-Man, their corner of the Marvel Universe is just as expansive, and Fox just didn't know what to do with any of them, <laughs> Well, I mean, why do you think, you know, one, Fox wanted their rights, and two, Marvel sold them. They were worth something, as yeah, well with yeah. Spider-Man. Um, nowadays, I would argue that the X-Men's world is technically bigger, and that's not to try to dissuade Spider-Man, but it's just because, I mean, you know, just reading the current stuff, I mean, it, it's insane what you can do. I mean, they're finding new things to do with characters they've forgotten about forever. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure Spider-Man's doing that, too, because I don't read that, but... Um, yeah, it, it's interesting, and I agree. Like Peter, a hundred percent needs a team up with the Fantastic Four. Like that's that was Spider Man's thing for a while. I've even read those comics, but I know that was his thing for a while was teaming up with the Fan- Fantastic Four. Yeah, and and and, and the X Men too, because I you know I have very fond memories of um, of watching, you know, because I you know I have Disney Plus. I rewatch Spider Man quite frequently. Shocking! Huh? I have a Spider Man podcast. <laughs> but... Uh, that animated series is is the goat to me in terms of Spider-Man stories. Yeah, um, and the the two part X-Men crossover was just so cool. You know, it's like I mean, the, yeah. there were only a couple of the characters that really were featured prominently, like Wolverine and Beast. But to me, that was enough. You know, it's like nowadays we're spoiled with you know Doctor Strange showing up in Spider-Man, and you know, and then we get all the Illuminati cameos in Doctor Strange. You know, we get uh-huh. we get all this cool stuff. But like when we were kids, or at least when I was a kid. It's like this was just like you don't, you don't get that. You know, you don't have, you know, you have the comic books, but the to see it in animation was amazing. And I remember thinking when I was a kid, yeah, they just do this. Like they can make these things. And now Disney's, you know, with their infinite money, seem to realize that they're like, oh, we can actually make TV shows about all these characters, and you know, and people will gobble them up and. And we do. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny you mentioned that because um, 
you know, I think a lot of things are moving into TV and I know we're totally off topic, but like with Spider-Man, a lot of people are focusing on movies and honestly, I haven't thought about this too much, but it's possible. So Sony doesn't really have a good television division or anything. And that's a shame because I think creating a Spider-Man world with TV could do Spider-Man some good in terms of you know the the media franchises because star wars is doing it and star wars i think works far better in television right now than movies i don't want them making our freaking star wars film <laughs> until they really have that down pat and i kind of feel similar with spider-man like the new trilogy was decent and stuff um but i think you know because like you said spider-man is such a big world and people don't realize that unless they're really big spider-man fans mm -hmm. give him television give them 20 different shows to branch off of because spider-man's world can hold that and it should yeah no i i, I totally agree and you know just like the little little snippets in this uh series or in these couple issues you know there was the the bit uh, her name is escaping me uh the jameson goes and meets the scientist mm -hmm. um and you know they're like oh you know you're gonna help me take down spider-man and i'm sure that gets resolved in in later issues that i've obviously not read yet um <laughs> right but, but i was excited seeing that going like well look like there's there's this really cool character with jameson that gets to do that gets to be like an antagonist to to spider-man but sometimes is kind of a mentor to peter and that's kind of interesting and um, uh -huh. And these issues also had Robbie Robertson, who's one of my favorite Spider-Man characters, you know, uh, uh -huh. I was so excited when he was there and he and Spider-Man were talking and, and then, you know, I love that Spider-Man just throws in the line, like, I'll tell Peter Parker to get some pictures. And I'm just like, like, like that, that just makes me laugh because it just, to me, it, it, you know, I've always thought Robbie knows, you know, even if he doesn't know, he knows. Um, kind of like Commissioner Gordon, you know, kind of like Perry White, like they know, even if they don't know, they know. Uh, yeah. so I always thought of Robbie in that way, where if he's like, I'll tell Peter Parker to do this, Robbie's just like, <laughs> okay, like, you, you go tell him, you go, you go, you go, you know, get him on the horn there, um, to use old time. Yeah, and I like that you bring up a lot of the side characters, because honestly, even though I was excited to read this for, like, Kurt and to read about Peter and stuff, I was really impressed with side characters, I had a lot of fun with them, too, like, even uh mary jane in this in these issues really surprised me and in a good way because she's either i typically what i've seen as one of two ways it's either she they tried to write her like she's felicia hardy like way too flirty mm -hmm. um and that's not right to me but then there's also the end where she's like super shy and she's just like i'll wait for you and it's like that's not her either what is this <laughs> but in this issue she's in these two issues she's very She's an unapologetic thrill seeker and Peter's just trying to keep up with her, but she's not overly flaunty and zealous about it. Like Felicia Hardy might be, or she acts like she has most of the time. Right. Yeah. She just, she's confident who she is. She knows exactly who she is. She knows exactly what she wants. And that's that, that would, that's her personality in this. And honestly, that's freaking cool. Like, I don't think I've ever read something where I read something with Mary Jane and really felt that was her. Yeah. And so this is probably the most I felt like it was her. And even Peter, like, in his relationship, like, you know, when she's hanging out with the air guy, he's like, dang, I really need to get together so that I don't treat her poorly. I was like, thank you. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. she's not whiny or needy. And and he's not exactly, you know, even though, yes, he's superheroing, he's he's not great for 
leaving her even if he has a reason he still needs to treat her well too so i thought even that little bit was done well yeah i i i really liked that because it you know you know it's funny because i've had so many people say and i'm i'm so glad i'm talking to uh a uh, kindred spirit here because so many people say that Mary Jane is their favorite Spider-Man character and uh-huh. and to me I'm just like I don't know like I've never gotten it if that makes any sense like I'm just like uh-huh. because like like you were saying but you you kind of made it make sense to me where it's like well it's either she's you know too flirty or she's too you know uh, damsel distress right. whoa save me please <laughs> yeah and, and that 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 got that got old by the end of movie one, and they did it two more times, and <laughs> I was not, yeah. not too pleased with those movies. I mean, I love those movies, uh, well, except for three, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it's okay. I can't watch those now because, yeah. I anyways, people might shoot me on this podcast if I talk about what I think about those films. So, but I understand <laughs> what you're saying. Uh, well, no, that's, you know that's that's totally fine. Um, but uh, just don't let Nico hear you say it. He will <laughs> he'll get mad. Listen, uh, the boy knows, the man knows, and I'm sorry, Nico. I've let you down. I don't know what to tell you, my man. <laughs> we agree on other things. That's all that matters. <laughs> that's that's very true. Very true. Um, but yeah, I. Um, but when I was. Uh, but you know, part of what I was digging about this story was that, like, I, I, I really like the idea of Peter being, just like, it, it, you know, he's not. I don't know how to put this without it sounding like a knock. It's like he's not cool, but he's also not like a drag. You know what I mean? Like he does right. feel very, like a real personality. Like, what's his personality? Oh, he's kind of a nerd, but he's got a big heart and. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, stuff that, like, I felt like I related to when I was a kid and still do as an adult. And I loved, uh-huh. um, but I, I have to say, like, right at the beginning, I was like, okay, so Peter Parker, who's been to other planets, uh, who has fought aliens, who swings around New York City daily, gets sick on a roller coaster. I was like, give me a break, <laughs> Wayne. I don't know about that. Like, um, but then But that, I, I think, yeah, yeah, it's, I, I think that stuff's endearing um i really like characters like that where they're like like that's one of my favorite things like uh with characters like uh supergirl and superman like when they're their alternate personas like when they're Kara or just clark and then you see these people that are like super tough amazing they're basically invincible and everything okay yeah and then like you know yeah they get on a roller coaster and somehow they get nauseous how or like you just don't like that like they're they're babies about something very human yeah. And I, I feel like I've talked about this somewhere with somebody, but that's one of my favorite things with superhero comics is when we see these heroes that are so powerful or they're so smart or whatever, just be so human. And like you said, it's like, what is this? Like, yeah, <laughs> you jump around buildings all the time. You're like falling all the time and just swinging. But that doesn't get your stomach. But that will uh, because they're human, just like us. Like, even if his stomach is technically fine. He probably just doesn't like heights in that context. Who knows? I don't know, man, but it's fun. <laughs> it, you know, it, it is because it, uh, it, what, what I like, at least with like with Spider-Man, you know, when you talk about like, like, you know, Superman or Supergirl, like they're like, you know, top tier power and everything. Whereas like Spider-Man's kind of middle of the road where he's got like, cause there's regular people that are beating him up here, which I, I'm not always crazy about, but sometimes if they can get the jump on him, because if he's like not listening to his spider sense, which he does often, you know, then I, I can at least believe it and not feel like, um, 
like okay well like they're, they're just trying to drive the story forward you know what i mean like it, mm-hmm. it I, I like that he's powerful but he's not so powerful that he's uh like that it, it he's damaging to other people around him if that makes any sort of sense yeah no it does and at the end of the day like he's he's essentially the golden retriever with the best intentions but he so messes up yeah like at least with the people he cares about in his life and it is very funny because i think you know how like with characters like superman and stuff or even batman people talk about the difference between like clark kent and superman both visibly and personality wise right i feel like less people do that with peter and spider-man but there is still a difference because there is a huge difference just in these two issues alone between him being like crud i gotta do right by mj i gotta get this right and then when he puts the mask on and is swinging around and sassing off to punisher and her <laughs> yeah. like there's a huge difference in that persona um and I kind of wish people talked about that more because it is really fascinating that, yeah, Kurt can be really tiny, uh, not Kurt, but uh, Peter, when he, he can be really tiny and stuff in his own life. But again, he is just like characters like Superman where he puts on the mask and he's zooming, yeah. you know, and, and, and he's kind of in his own world in that way. So, yeah, I think he kind of fits in that trope of, you know, the, the golden retriever that has a, <laughs> a, you know, badass tough side, but it's only when the mask is on. So right. If you want that, you gotta bring the mask. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I I I really like that about Peter too. That the mask, you know, can uh, can hide his insecurities, can hide how kind of scared he can be or can get, uh, and he can jump in. And he's, you know, he doesn't know at this point. I, I'm assuming he's if he's never met the X Men, he's at least never met the new X Men. So obviously mm-hmm. that's what's going on here. So maybe his first thought is that oh, this is a mutant. This is some sort of demon. And then, like, with the Punisher, he's just like, I can't I can't do that. I can't think like he does, you know, and just mm-hmm. take revenge on everybody. And and I like that, you know, there's there's lines that he has there. Um, I, mm-hmm. But I will admit that, you know, him being... I, I felt like he was too chummy with the Punisher. I'm like, I, like I, I, my favorite kind of stories... Uh, or like when he's more antagonistic towards the Punisher because he really hates him and thinks he's just as bad as the bad guys, and that's that's a debate for another day, of course. Um, but at the same time, I'm sitting there going, the fact that we don't have a Tom Holland John Bernthal like team up yet is just, uh, it's like right there, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's I yeah that that did interest me, and I noticed that that was kind of. Like, once Kurt and Peter kind of figured out their differences for that second, like, they were like, yeah. okay, you didn't kill the person, cool. You're not a killer. Like, even Kurt, even though he's read more democratically here, he's still like, okay, friend, okay, friend, by, like, one, issue 162. And I was kind of just like, but how are they your friends? And then by the end of the issue, he just poofs off. Yeah. What? Like, are you friends or are you just, like, not i mean and and yeah even the punisher was kind of chummy which confused me because i've read almost no punisher but i was just like that doesn't seem right like (laughs) i know he like has his morals and reasons for what he does but like this this is yeah it it was it was it was kind of weird but you know i I think it kind of made sense for the time especially with you know the way the x-men this new x-men team was so new Mm -hmm. um and they were still getting that to kind of flesh out. 
Yeah. Um, and 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 Len Wein, yeah, he did Giant Size X Men, and then eventually Claremont took over with regular X Men, and then I have no clue what the state of Spider Man was at that time. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if there was any transition there or not for him. Uh, I'm sure I know. I just can't think of it off the top of my head because I could see names flashing in my head like, <laughs> like, a, like a ticker. Um, but you know, uh, okay. Well, I have. One question about Nightcrawler that uh, huh? I'm sure you could answer for me. When did he become very religious? Because I wasn't getting that vibe in this story. Yeah. I roll my eyes because it's that's the biggest issue I have with this characterization right now. Um, that was in the 90s. Okay. I, I don't remember the issue or whatever, but for some reason, they decided to make Kurt a priest, but eventually that got retconned, actually, low-key. They basically said that it didn't happen. He's not fully a priest, but he's still super religious. It's very weird because you're right. At this time, he was not very religious. Um, the biggest, the biggest, he, I guess you could, depending on what you read back then, you could kind of argue he was spiritual, but there was no, like, you know, let me, you know, be a priest or whatever. Um, because most experience he had with that at this point that we know of was he was, you know, you know, pitchforked and everything. Like he had people trying to kill him in villages and in Germany and stuff. And, yeah, yeah. you know, being like, you're a demon and like, you know, God doesn't want you. So like, you know, it, it was very much a very like what the world is happening when in the 90s. They're like, by the way, Kurt's become a priest. Why would he do that <laughs> when it's done absolutely no good for him? Like, why would he go that far at least? So yeah, it's it, it was it was very weird, and and that's something I'm hoping they're gonna effectively overturn at this point. Please get rid of that. The super religious has got to go. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, probably not for his character. Um... Although, you know, but I mean, I, I liked it, but the way you're describing it, it makes me feel like, like, oh, like now I feel like I was conditioned to like it because that was what I was introduced to. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with liking it in terms of I like that he I, I mean, I like that he is spiritual. I even like that he's religious to an extent. I like that he has strong morals and he believes in him. That's a huge part of his character. What I don't like is that lately that's all he's become like anytime somebody writes Kurt now they're like look he's religious look religion look mm. religious and it's like have you not met somebody that's super religious before like because he's not even a priest anymore so it's not like he's going to a church every day you know preaching to people but he believes in his religion have you not met somebody that is very religious they very much believe in their faith but they don't it's not all they are there's more to them so that's the thing I don't like there is and so that's why for me it was very fun also reading this because I was like, haha, I don't have to read it like that. Um, <laughs> because there's still parts of him here, even though he is more, you know, demonic and stuff. Like he's still him here in terms of like, again, he's calling Peter friend after yeah. he realizes he's not a killer. Yeah. Like that, that's a very him thing to do in terms of he's like, oh, okay, well, now I know you're good. So we're going to be friends all of a sudden. Like, even earlier in the issue when him and Wolverine are chewing each other out in the danger room, he would still call Wolverine his friend. He a hundred percent would. So. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's a great aspect of the character that, that he is so sweet and nice and, and religious, but he looks scary. I think that's, that's a cool juxtaposition and it's not a, like, it's not yeah. a brand new thing for Nightcrawler. Uh, uh, like it wasn't invented for him, but 
uh, that type of trope, I I get behind because I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like, you know, subverting expectations is kind of cool, um, you know, most of the time. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah. I mean, you said you read Daredevil and that's what Daredevil is like. Yeah, yeah exactly he does what he does and he's super catholic and woe is him all the time but it works and it, it's a lot fun to read like i've been enjoying zadarsky's run too mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons i was also excited to read this issue is because even though kurt is different in a lot of ways from peter they're actually really parable like i'm actually surprised they haven't been paired up more and you even see it in this issue where like there's moments where peter's watching kurt teleport and then like kind of crawl up like this construction site or whatever and he's like wow he's almost as agile as i am and stuff there could they could easily be a team that works together um if marvel ever decide to go that route it could actually probably work pretty well Uh, you know it's it's funny you say that because i thought the same thing where i was like you know i I wish we could see this fight you know with i I don't know like either in live action or animation because i was like Mm -hmm. because for a while there i was like all right it's been it's like you know, where's was there not a lot of teleporting in the budget when they made this issue? You know, and it's just like <laughs> I mean, I felt like that would be cool to see a Spider-Man try and punch him, and he'd teleport away, and then Spider Sense would go off, and you know they could just have this weird dance where neither of them lands a punch. It'd be so cool. Um, but you know, that's that's not the route they went. But I but yeah, I did, but I did like that they kind of were admiring each other even when they were kind of trying to you know beat the crap out of each other (laughs) yeah i mean i think at this point they hadn't quite developed kurt's fighting style um or even really a fine style for him other than teleport and then scurry away because that's most of what he does he teleports and scurries away here (laughs) but later on he ends up yeah what was the 80s uh in 85 he got a limited series he's he's a swashbuckler he he swings around swords not only with his hands but also his tail at the same time and he knows exactly how to fight like that and he's kicking butt and that would have been really fun to see spider-man try to uh fight a teleporting swashbuckler i think that would be hilarious yeah um and you know kurt wouldn't have you know killed him or anything he might have just bested him for half a second and then you know um i think they could train together too like he could really help uh spider-man learn some hand-to-hand because if anything like that's one thing peter's not great at he he to my knowledge he he doesn't do (laughs) hand-to-hand so if anybody tries to do hand-to-hand with him he's done like unless he finds some other way to get the advantage which he does a lot of the time well there was there was an arc where he lost his spider sense and then and then he trained with chung chi and Mm -hmm. learned some martial arts but that was more recent um, oh that's awesome though i yes. didn't know that that's great yeah, that happened uh, maybe like 10 or 12 years ago um you know oh my god i feel so old anyway uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey it, now i'm at the point i've just gotten to the point where if i say i can say 10 years ago i was 16 so i i'm catching up to you slowly I, but surely i'm i'm at the point where i you know my sister made fun of me for something i did when i was a kid and i'm at the point where i can say my god that was 30 years ago <laughs> it just Jeez. blows my mind that i have memories yeah of that. um but yeah it uh so uh, getting back to the story here um i i found it really interesting that the the story was really fast-paced it didn't it didn't kind of you know pull any punches really it just went right into it uh, mm-hmm. but it also uh, was was kind of funny to me where i was like I feel like all the Peter Parker stuff is just so minimal in this. It felt like the animated series to me. Like, it was a team-up with Nightcrawler and Punisher. Like, like that was kind of cool. Yeah. 
Um, and I liked, uh, you know, that, you know, it wasn't even a Spider-Man villain. It was, it was Jigsaw, um, you know, who's one of yeah. the Punisher's villains. I, I thought that was, you know, because I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought that was such mm-hmm. a cool twist where I was like, oh, cool. Like, it's not even like the chameleon or, or you know, Vulture or whatever. No, it's, it's Jigsaw and Spider-Man just kind of happened to get involved because he was at Coney Island. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that, that kind of stuff I find, you know, just as interesting as if, if it was just like a regular Venom story or whatever. Um, because it's like, oh, well, this is like a cool thing that I believe would happen when all these people live in the same city, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, oh, I just happened yeah. to fight your guy the other day. He showed up and I beat him up, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of what's endearing about a crossover like this too, like back in the day, is back in the day, you can just do a crossover just to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't have to be this big event and it could include a lot of people from a lot of different avenues easily. Like, you know, I know in the Nightwing run that's currently going, that Tom Taylor does, like, they've had, you know, Wally on there, and they had somebody else uh, recently, too, I think, Aquaman, Lad, or something. I can't remember who else, but he's done quite a few little crossovers there, but those crossovers to me nowadays, they aren't really sustainable. Like, it's clearly just put them in the comic, do a cute story, and move on. But this one, they, you know, it felt like they actually had a purpose for being there beyond that. Like, sure, I'm positive that they put Nightcrawler in this issue because X, the new X-Men had just started and they're trying to get readers onto the X-Men book because the X-Men book the, before this was canceled, it was not doing well right. um, before Giant Size X-Men came about. So um, so I get that, but at the same time, everything had a purpose, like you said. So like, you know, it built up to another villain and you have Jameson's background with he's going to try to screw over Peter later. And you had all this stuff building up while you can still enjoy the crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know. Now think about it. It's kind of like the formula for a good MCU film, like, or at least for like the first two phases where like you have a great movie happening, right? The main plot of the film is great. You're enjoying it. But in the background, these all these little hints and all these are you know, this little story or two in the background, they're going yeah. to build up to something bigger. And that's what made those work. They did this back then, the comics, and it worked. Well, Kevin Feige obviously thought, kind of like I did when I was a kid, it's like, it, it can work in your movies, you just have to do it right. And yep. he, you know, it's just, he figured out the puzzle before other people did, I guess. Um, and nobody mm-hmm. could seem to replicate for some reason. Um, except, except maybe Sonic? Um, oh, actually, no, I take that back. The, it's like, I think I read somewhere that the, this Warner Brothers most successful shared universe is the Conjuring universe. Um, wow. So that's, I guess the, at, at the time I read that it was a few years ago, it, they, those movies had made more money than all the DC movies they'd put out. Um, and I was like, you know what? I a hundred percent believe that. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I would too. Um, but yeah, like it was, I mean, that was, uh, talking about crossovers, that was one thing that was cool about the Arrowverse when it was actually a thing on the CW and not the mess it is now, um, when they could bring all those characters together for crossovers. I mean, even when they did the smaller ones, it was still just cool because yeah, they were still telling a bigger story, but they were bringing these characters. And of course, some crossovers worked better than others, mm-hmm. but that was what's so cool about that. And now I kind of hate that like, crossovers are either these cheap little one or two shots and they do don't do they don't do much for the story or characters you can kind of tell or at least i feel like most of them are kind of just money shots out there right 
Yeah. Um, or they're giant events yeah. and you have to read like 20, 30 issues within two or three months yep. to know what's happening. And, and that's hard too, especially when, you know, your favorite characters involved and you have no idea which issues they're going to be in, but you want to read it so you know like i mean being a spider-man fan during the civil war (laughs) run uh the original civil war was hard enough because yeah you could read the amazing spider-man but if you didn't read the other six tie-ins you were going to miss something very essential to his story because he was such a big part of that right and and i remember thinking that back then because back then i was i was just buying the civil war comic um yeah, so th- I I was kind of confused during some bits of it. I was like, okay, yeah. so the are the X Men involved or are they not involved? Wait a minute, like you know, you know, Daredevil's already been arrested. You know what's going on here? And it was just, it was total anarchy. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but this has been a total blast. Um, you know, I love that we got into our crossover talk, and we'll definitely have. You know, you, you got to come back for sure. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'll 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 read something that doesn't have Nightcrawler in it. I will happily do that. <laughs> you, I'm not saying that. You know, I like Nightcrawler. You know, <laughs> but you know, if you just happen to read something that doesn't have him in it, I mean, that's fine too. I mean, I don't. Right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, and yeah, no, I no, I hundred percent would love to come back. And if you don't have anybody to talk about uh, uh, Civil War, Amazing Spider-Man stuff, uh, let me know because I will happily talk about that. It's going to be a long one. <laughs> ooh, that uh, I think I can give you actually. You're here to hear first, folks. Uh, He's booking it now, guys. I'm terrified. I've set myself up. I must do it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, nobody else has it. I still have like eight other people I need to contact and go, hey, remember eight months ago when I asked for this? <laughs> uh, but uh, so I know we're going to get you out of here here in a minute. But uh, if you can real quick, please uh, uh, go ahead, plug all your uh, all your plugs away. Yeah, um, I'll keep it simple. Um, you can find me on Twitter at friendly M-B-H-D-B-I. Um, when I'm not taking a break from other things, uh, I do a lot of stuff. I do comic interviews. I do comic reviews. Um, when I get it together, I'll be doing my live show again on Sundays, which is exciting. Uh, JJ's been on there too before, so you should totally check that out. Even if you don't want to uh, hear me talk more, you should definitely listen to him. <laughs> um, it was a really good time. And yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. I was so happy to be there and, and feeling... Uh feeling welcome in that conversation that I wasn't even sure you'd be like, well, I don't know. This isn't your thing. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. So, uh, those of you listening, JJ came on for the, uh, a pride episode on, on my, uh, show on Sundays. And, um, you know, I was like, well, why don't you like it, whether you're in the community or not, as long as you're not a jerk, like come on (laughs) over, like it's a party regardless. Like, um again same attitude like you have with your show here like no if you want to come on and you have some good stuff to say please do it yeah we don't so uh, it was it was really fun having you on and and you made a lot of uh good points and we talked way more about certain things than i thought we would like i think <laughs> we went like 10 or 20 minutes over because of jj here and uh my good friend joe so it was a lot of fun yeah uh, that, that was a ton of fun um and uh yeah, so yeah, check check uh, Lauren out on all her stuff. You know, she's awesome, as you can tell, having listened to this for the past hour. Um, 
Thanks again for tuning in to the Spider-Man Book Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Spider-Man Books or email me at SpiderManBookClub at gmail.com. And we're going to end this the same way we end every show with Stanley's signature, Excelsior!